Hello and welcome to another episode of Jackson Talks. Everybody, with me, your host, Jackson Stone. And today's episode is episode number 86 of Jackson Talks, everybody. And we are filming this today on February the 10th, 2022. It's a very special day. We'll get to it, uh, the reason why in a second. But this episode will come out on March the 8th, which is when you'll be listening to it, which is right now, which just happened to be two days before our very first You Are Love fundraising event. So this is some last minute promotions. So if you haven't gotten your tickets or if you haven't had a chance to check out the website or check out some donations or what we do, what we're about, our mission, check that out and then come enjoy some fun festivities, conversations, comedians, live music on March 10th in Denton, Texas. And if you don't live anywhere near that, just check out the website and you'll get all the information you need, which is at youarelovedlife.com. Boom, thank you so much. But I'm joined today by a very special guest, someone who probably will not call me Jackson Stone, so just be aware of that, <laughs> as many guests who come on this podcast don't, so we're very familiar with both names, Aaron and Jackson, but I'm joined today by my good friend, Christina. Hi. <laughs> so I've asked you this question a lot, in real life. And before I get to it, happy birthday. Thank you. Today is actually her birthday. It is. She turns 27 today, right now, currently, which is February the 10th, 2022. Absolutely. It's a great day. Before I ask the opening question, mm -hmm. how do you feel about your birthday, generally speaking? I am a huge fan of my birthday. I'm a huge fan of my birthday. I don't think anybody loves their birthday like I do. I kind of become a diva on my birthday. Mm -hmm. I want things a very particular way. I love celebrating my birthday. It's the one day of the year where I feel like I get to do what I want to do. Just unapologetically get to do what I want to do. It's the one day a year that you get to do what you want to do. Yeah, that I just feel like I get to, you know, pull, pull all the cards. And why do you feel like you can't do that? <laughs> I can, but it's just every not, other day. Of it's not day. always the way it goes. It's just not always the way it goes. So. Well, sure. There's there's a lot of outside circumstances mm -hmm. and things of like that, but I think it comes from my family. It was really sweet about birthdays. Um, my mom would let me celebrate the whole month, which I thought was super cute. She texted me a couple days ago and she's like, "Happy birthday month!" And I just think it's so sweet that she still pumps me up for that. Yeah. Um, I have four siblings, so I think just having one day. Even though my sister's birthday is on the 13th, Carmen and Casey, they're, the, they're twins, and their birthday is on the 13th, so we used to have to share birthday parties. Um, but I don't know. Did I you just, like sharing a birthday party? When I was little, I didn't really, but I liked it as I was getting older. Um, but we always got our own cakes. Like, my mom would make three separate cakes for us on our birthdays, and mm. she was really into cake decorating, and she'd do such a good job. So, I, I don't know. They just always made birthdays special for us. It was sweet. Your mom sounds like a legend. She, she is a legend, yes. Yeah, From what I know about her, she's a yeah, legend. Yeah, my mom's a legend. That's interesting, though, you know, because I don't feel the same way about birthdays. Most people don't. I think that's sad. <laughs> well, my mindset about it is that I want to live every day mm -hmm. that way. Yeah. And so I want to... Every moment is a big moment. Every moment is a special moment. I don't, it always doesn't always turn out that way, right? Because mm -hmm. there's some mundane stuff that we kind of have to go through, work, whatever, uh, um, all these things that happen in life. Yeah. Uh, and I, I relate it to like, because I, I learned this in the sports. So it's like, you can either view it two ways, right? So say the big game is coming up, right? The Super Bowl is happening on Sunday. You're not really a sports fan, but you understand that, right? Mm -hmm. And so you can view that game, the Super Bowl, as the biggest moment of your career, which it is, generally speaking, right? Because it's the pinnacle of that sport of your profession. Or you can view each and every game the same way. And every moment is the biggest moment because you're never going to get that moment back. And so it doesn't matter which way you view it. Either yeah. way is appropriate and real and, yeah. and it makes sense. But you have to be prepared for how you view that situation. So for me, I view it the same way. Like each moment is a special moment. When it becomes my birthday, I'm like, great. I'm just a year older, but I'm wiser and, you know, whatever and yeah. uh, things of that nature. It's cool to be, for people to reach out and be like, hey, happy birthday. I'm thinking about you. Like, that's always nice. Um, but for me, like internally, it's, I don't want to just say it's just another day because it's not because every day is a special day. And so yeah. that's how I view it. 
but I that's like from a sports background is how I kind of figured yeah. that out because when I was playing in these big games or what I perceived to be a big game I would get more nervous and I would get tense and things would be like oh this is a big game oh my god I'm on ESPN what am I going to do instead of just being like oh I played this game literally yesterday I'm wearing the same cleats the same jersey it's the same dirt it's still special but it's not any more special it's just the always this special this kind of feeling yeah that makes sense it does it makes sense with your personality for sure yeah it's one of the things that makes you so special so hey yeah that makes a lot of sense cool Mm -hmm. thank you Mm -hmm. all right so now to my to the most important question that i'm gonna ask you on this podcast it's the theme of jackson talks everybody we we, we've got i mean the reason i wanted you on this podcast a couple reasons one is that you are a tremendous help in setting up the fundraiser for you i loved you were the catalyst behind it, and we'll get more into that after. And the second is, uh, since I met you and became friends and close friends, we've always had like really deep, insightful conversations, and I found you to be someone who is extraordinarily self-aware about the things they're good at, some of their inadequacies, mm. and things that you're always trying to work on and aware of. And so that's what I wanted to, why I wanted to bring you on this podcast also because I enjoy you and it just yeah. happens to be your birthday so that's also cool and yeah. so we've, we've talked about this question a lot uh, in detail like over mm-hmm. the last couple of years but now I'm asking you here yeah uh, in front of the world <laughs> Christina how are you doing like for real for real for real for real yeah that's funny we have talked about this question a lot and it's interesting thinking about the answer to this question now because you have kind of seen a progression of this question in my life over mm-hmm. the last year 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 and a half year and a half almost two so. years yeah so um wow. but today specifically since it's my birthday yeah i want to touch on just one thing i think that it's been super annoying today leading up to this point how many people have been saying to me oh my god you're so old <laughs> And so I love my birthday so much, but people who have been saying that to me are just really getting on my on my nerves today because I think we just got we got to get rid of that mindset a little bit. Got to get rid of that a little bit. I'm like I'm 27. Yeah. I'm in my prime right now. Like I'm doing really well. I woke up this morning. I was like vibing to a playlist. It was called birthday like 30s birthday or whatever something <laughs> like that. But I was really feeling. I'm feeling really good. I'm really happy about where I am in my life. Um, so having people kind of bring me down like that, saying, oh, you're so old, like, are you getting, of course, I'm a little stressed about certain things in my life, but I think that time is one of our most valuable resources. So, mm. you know, looking at being 27 and kind of feeling the pressure of certain things is a good thing. And I'm really, really proud of the things that I've overcome in my life. I'm really proud of all of my accomplishments. I'm proud of where I am. I'm proud of my relationships. And I don't know, I don't think that I feel old. I don't think that I am old. I think that if I start saying I'm old, I've got a really, really, really long time of being old. So I don't know. I'm feeling really good. And that, that question's kind of getting on my, or that uh, statement's getting on my nerves today. But other than that, I'm feeling really, really good. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm turning 30 in June, June 15th. Oh, you're so 30. old. <laughs> and I feel the exact same way that you do. Mm. Like I feel like mind, body, spirit wise, if I'm looking at those dimensions of my life, I feel better now than I did at 25. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And then I did at, you know, 22, right? And I can't imagine what I might be like or the things I might be doing or the people I might be able to talk to or the experiences I might have when I'm 38. Oh yeah. Because the first 29 years of my life have been incredible. Yeah. There's been some whirlwind. There's been some ups and downs. There's been some yeah. really shitty stuff. But there's also been mostly magical moments. Yeah. And um, like all of those hard times like lead to amazing things. As long as you have, I mean, you have a very good outlook on life and you're looking forward to things in a positive way. You have optimism about your future. And so you're not like dwelling on those negative things. You're using them to propel you forward. And I think that that's how people need to look at that. I wouldn't want to go back to being... 21 mm. or 22 I wouldn't want to relive those years but I'm happy that I had them and I'm happy for the experiences that I've gained from them and the knowledge that I have today but I don't don't think I would ever want to go back to being that age again yeah so I don't think that it makes us wise maybe not old <laughs> definitely wise yeah 100% wise mm-hmm. but not old old is a old is a state of mind for the most part 
right? Because if you're treating your body, your mind, and your spirit well, you can do amazing things at 50, 60. Like, you know, I read about stories of athletes doing triathlons and Brazilian jiu-jitsu and they're starting when they're 55 years old and becoming these, yeah. like, or they started like this meditation practice and they became like this wise monk until they're like 80s when they started at like 60. But you can transform your life at any moment. Mm-hmm. And so Absolutely. putting that like, uh, I don't know, sort of time frame or pressure on an age bracket is, uh, is handicapping us. Yeah. Why do you think people do that? Do you think Here? it's like, you think it's like, uh, like cultural societal pressures of where you quote unquote should be at a certain age? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think our society puts a lot of pressure on specific things. Um, and that's one of the things I try to remember really don't have to follow any of those rules, those societal pressures, the things that people consider norm. Those are really things that you have to follow. And Mm. I think that we have a pressure of following those rules and that we have to be a certain person and we have to have a certain job, make a certain amount of money, um, have a certain amount of hobbies, be a certain amount of interesting, whatever. And that puts a lot of pressure on doing things and trying things. And there's a fear of failure that prevents people from wanting to do it nobody wants to be a failure especially in our society and so we're basically just following a very predictable trend of behaviors like go to college get a job Mm. yada yada do these things and then you're going to be acceptable to society and you're probably not going to fail and everything's going to be fine um so i think that fear of failing prevents us from being able to try things that might actually make us really really happy yeah. Yeah. I think that, let me know what you think. I think that people are uh, avoiding failure and not approaching success. Like they're making decisions in their life, right, to avoid failure, like they said, instead of making decisions in your life to approach success. But e- on either journey, you're going to fail on either journey, but one's like a timid path, mm-hmm. the other is a courageous path. Mm-hmm. Both are going to have ups and downs and windy roads and and failures, but one is going to lead to something that makes you substantially more meaningful and joyous in your life, and one is going to lead you to like this standard, basic comfort zone that people sort of kind of dwell in year after year, and then they reach a thirty-two and they feel old because they've been living in this this kind of um, going through the motions type life that they were like predetermined to have Mm -hmm. instead of being curious and adventurous and falling on their face a bunch of times and getting a bunch of black eyes along the Mm -hmm. way and then being like cool yeah cool yeah it's interesting uh repeat your quote you said something um something about failure to success success say that again approaching are we avoiding failure or approaching success well, it's interesting because, like, that what what is the definition of success then? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Because what you're talking about, avoiding failure, but, like, the avoiding failure, you're actually talking about failure of your own goals and dreams. Like, it would be more personal to mm-hmm. you and running towards success, which is defined by our society. So... Uh, I just think there's two different definitions of success that we're looking at. What is the societal norm of success and what is success of the things that you actually would want to achieve? Right, right. So you have to make that definition clear before you start mm-hmm. approaching it or trying to approach yeah. it. Yeah. That can be really hard. Of course it can be really hard, but yeah. yeah. It's hard to be authentic in a world full of, like I was saying about social media this morning. It's like, I suck at social media. I suck at it so much. And it's, it's truly, it's just because like, I don't know how to be authentic on a platform that is not really made for being authentic. Mm. I know some people do a really good job of it and I admire them, but it's like so hard to put your true self out on social media because being your true self is often not what we expect to see in our society. Mm-hmm. And so I think that being a true, your true authentic self, um, can oftentimes prevent you from being successful like not not being able to be your true authentic self can prevent you from being successful in your own way because we have all these expectations that we have to live by. Hmm. It's hard. Yeah. I struggle with that. Like my my things that I like to do, I like I used to hang out in the wood shop with my dad 
and like um, we'd build furniture or whatever and I'd like hang out with him and do that kind of stuff or I love crafting and I love art and those kind of things like most people don't enjoy doing most people don't love yeah so it's hard to like really dive into those kind of hobbies when you don't really have um the support of your not necessarily the support but like you don't really have a group of people that love to do that stuff with you or it's not really as enticing for other people to do that kind of stuff Mm. so it's hard to really want to be exploring those things and to be creative in that way and to be successful in those ways when like nobody else is doing it does that make sense Mm. yeah it makes sense so i might end up being 32 and going dang i missed out on the opportunity why do you think so i don't actually i don't think that yeah yeah. (laughs) but i think that that's how it happens okay i think that that's how it happens Mm. Mm. yeah the social media is very interesting I try to be very authentic on social media. You do. Yeah, I you try do my job. Because mm-hmm. um, that's one of my deep fears about life. I think I've told you this before. That like I post a video or a podcast episode or a tweet. And, you know, whoever sees it on the internet sees it. Like, oh, that's, that's cool. But they have like this thought in the back of their mind that like it might not be who he is. He's like presenting something. And then they re- meet me in real life and we have the two Mm. three four five minute conversation and they already came with like this you know preconceived notion that i might be trying to play a performing role on social media because of whatever they think like it doesn't matter and then they don't really hear me and my words when we're having this conversation and then it confirms that what they believe to be true that i'm just pretending and that's also a lot of my own insecurities right it's like coming through I just can't imagine that that would happen. I don't, it, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I don't believe uh, that. I think that that's great that you are aware of that, that, that that's an insecurity of yours, but I think we can nip that one in the bud right away. Like you're not, I, I think having a five minute conversation with you pretty much solidifies who you are. Like you are just so kind and so genuine and you do put that out on your social media. Um, and the way that you talk to people, you have, you have a way of making people feel really hurt and feel really special. Hmm. It's a gift that you have. You. <laughs> Not a lot of people have that, especially, yeah. probably an unpopular opinion, but especially men. Mm-hmm. They don't have that quality. And you do have a really, really kind heart, and it shows through in every word that you speak. So I don't think you have to worry about that. Thank you. Yeah. That's very nice yeah. of you. Yeah. Because at one, well, yeah, at one point on social media, I was only posting things that weren't true. Lame. Because I was. <laughs> I was pretending to be a professional, not pretending to be a, I, I am a professional right, wrestler, right. but I was tending, pretending to portray a character that wasn't really me, right? I was pretending to be Lights, Camera, Jackson, this like movie star. Oh, yeah. And it was cool. That. It was cool for like a bit, but it does, and it got me, you know, in certain places and areas in my life as a pro wrestler and became my mm-hmm. full-time job right before kind of COVID hit and things altered in my life. But it got exhausting to a point where like, mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't, I felt like I couldn't tweet certain things because that's not what a movie star would tweet. And like, it was like, okay, I can only post these pictures when I'm doing this thing in this outfit on this time. And it it was like very, very exhausting Mm. because sometimes I just wanted to post like a random photo of me in my PJs and be like, "Mm, probably can't. I don't know if that's, uh, if that's legit. And and that's the thought process that some people do go through on their social not even pretending to be a professional wrestler who's a movie star, just like living their everyday life. And it gets exhausting and tiring. And um, and so it's hard to post on the internet very authentic, vulnerable, open things, mm-hmm. but it's much less exhausting for your body and your mind and your spirit. And it also frees you from being controlled by the likes if you're posting something yeah. because you want to, because you care about the subject, then you're not weighed down by how many people view it or like it or comment on it. You're just like, this information is out there. It felt nice to put it out there. It's a bit freeing, almost like having a conversation with a loved one, and now it's out in the public. Someone might see it, someone might not. Cool. That's yeah. great. You know, And that could be the transformation that we make as a society on how we could use social media for mm-hmm. the better. But that's... a that's a that's a long conversation maybe for another time yeah 
you're definitely doing a better job. I remember I watched that Jackson, uh, what is it, the spot, what was it, the, your first one that you made? Oh yeah. That video. That's a classic. What was it called? Um, I don't know, it's on. You're like getting out of your car. It's on, it, yeah, they're all, <laughs> they're all still on my YouTube channel. Like they I didn't, are, I did watch it. I didn't delete any of them because I want to be able to go back and see those and I want when my channel, my YouTube channel is like hella popular to be able to, be able to see this like transition that you can actually make in real right, time, in right. real life, in front of an audience. And not, and not during, it didn't take you a very long time either to make that transition, but I watched it and I was like, that is not the Aaron I know. That is not the Aaron I know at all. And it was very amusing to watch some, that uh, one. I am cracking up just picturing it. <laughs> my, my dad comments on that all the time. He's like, he's like, he's like, Aaron, I really like the stuff you're doing now. I really like the stuff you're doing now. I'm really, really proud of you. I love you so much. But that first video that you did is still your best one. And I'm like, he loves it. I'm like, thanks. Dad. Oh, that is so. Funny. And then he'll he'll strictly call me Jackson Stone. That is so funny. Yeah, he's he's, he's way too supportive. <laughs> he's, been, he's been on the pod. I, yeah, yeah. He's a legend. Yeah, I'm not going to support you like that, though. I like your new stuff way better. That one was not Thank your you. best. <laughs> <laughs> I like how much work you put into it, though. So, so much. So if you guys haven't seen it, you should definitely go on there. What is it called? I don't know. There's ones like a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, y'all have to go check out the oh YouTube my God, channel I was and using, have a good chuckle. <laughs> I was using every resource known to man to try to figure that out. Like most of this that I filmed, I was still living with my parents and they happened to live in a nice house. So I used their house. Yeah. So my sister yeah. was doing really well because she's an engineer and she had a really nice apartment and a really nice car and she was mm. dating this guy who also had a bicycle a motorcycle and so i used that yeah. at her apartment and my parents house and their car it was like a t it was a team effort it was a whole thing <laughs> and like my sister and my mom and my dad were always so supportive they're like yeah we're all in we'll figure it out let's get it and we filmed some stuff and i didn't hire anyone to film it i filmed it on my yeah. cell phone and then like winged it trying to put it together yeah. and edit it was like wild experience it was cool. I mean, I definitely appreciated the level of effort that went into it. I was it. committed to the, to the it, game. Yeah, it was fun. I was committed to the game. But <laughs> anyways, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's circle back. Okay. <laughs> so I want to basically discuss what you do for a living. Yes. And then how it, how it related to you helping me uh -huh. with the You Are Love stuff. Yeah. So what do you do? I am a, my, my title is confusing, is <laughs> Stewardship and Donor Relations Associate. I work for a nonprofit organization that um, supports hospice and senior living. Mm -hmm. um, and I work directly for the foundation. Um, so we provide funds primarily for the hospice center. Um, and my role is to kind of steward those funds um, and we utilize me in graphic design and some event planning and now I'm getting to play a little bit more role um, with donors directly so a little bit more meeting with them in person um, getting to know them better putting face to our to our organization so mm. I'm pretty excited about that change but that's sweet yeah and so you you moved to Dallas from South Dakota yeah which we will get into uh, in, in a bit also about that connection mm -hmm. when we first met each other but yeah. you just moved to Dallas kind of on a whim yeah kind of with your best friend Peyton yes and is that the job that you have now I know you've advanced in the role through being here but is that yeah. the first job you got when you moved here no so when I worked when I was in South Dakota I was working for Athleta and so moving to Dallas I just transferred to a different store so I was a manager I'm at Athleta in Sioux Falls South Dakota and then Sioux Falls yeah <laughs> and then um what's Athleta it's like Lululemon it's yeah yeah it's like the, uh, the Lululemon competitor it's Gap Inc oh sweet mm -hmm. so I was working there and then Where, which one in Dallas uh on Oaklawn oh nice mm -hmm. it was fun for a while but uh obviously you know I needed a big girl job yeah <laughs> So I was also working at the happiest hour for a while as a hostess and we love that place. Yeah. I had literally run into somebody on the street one day uh, and we started talking about my career experience because I when I was before I started working retail, I was working in healthcare. I was doing direct care. I worked um, 
as a direct support professional, a certified nurse's assistant, um, med aid kind of a thing. So um, I had done some management in that field and I just didn't want to do that forever. So I stepped out and started trying retail, stuff like that. Anyway, so I ran into this guy literally on the street. We started talking about my work experience and he worked for this company that I work for now. And I applied there as basically a receptionist, um, got the job, worked there for like a month and a half before I was um, moved into an interim position to work directly for the CEO, CFO, COO, and um, EDs. And so uh, I kind of just hustled. <laughs> I knew nothing. <laughs> I hustled for a while, figured it out, and it ended up working out really well for me. Um, so I got promoted permanently into that role. And then a little bit less than a year later, I moved into this role that I have now, which was created just for me based off of the things that I was doing for the organization. So I feel very, um, I feel really good about that. I feel like I kind of built that for myself. Um, but I also had a lot of support. They were really, they were really supportive of me. They kind of saw that I was working really hard and they pushed me to work harder and they helped me, you know, kind of figure out the things that I wanted to do. So yeah, yeah, it's a fun place to work and I'm really enjoying I'm really enjoying what I do, so. You feel um, fulfilled there? Yes. Yeah? I mean, I don't know what my next step is. Um, there's a few different areas that I specialize in now that I want to, I want to figure out which one is the right direction for me and then work toward that. But there's just a few different areas within my role right now that I'd like to refine a little bit. Mm. Mm-hmm. What's it like working with donors directly? Uh, I haven't really done too much of that yet, if I'm being honest. Um, it's mostly just phone calls, and then I'll, um, like, if they come to my events and stuff like that, I'll get to know them that way. Yeah. Um, so, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little nervous about it, not because I don't think I can do it, but because I am more of a background person. Mm. I've always been like that. I'm like perfectly content, like running on the computers and like being insanely busy and like being in the in the chaos and running everything behind the scenes. Um, it makes me just a little bit more nervous being in person with people and being on the front lines. But I know I can do it. It's going to be a fun change for me. Yeah, it doesn't. It's a little out of my comfort zone, but in a good way. Yeah, I've, I have found it. Um extremely challenging to ask for money mm, even when yeah. it comes to something that you believe in with every ounce of person that you have like i obviously believe in you are loved it's like the most yeah, important absolutely. thing that's in my life and i still have trouble asking people directly for money if they are interested in the organization itself mm -hmm. and for one i think it's because i feel like if someone is donating like they're getting a piece of the organization and they don't believe they don't they might not believe in it as much as I do then I feel like I'm I'm losing a piece of it like that none of that is true and real right but that's just yeah. like how I'm thinking about it in like these very new stages of developing what I'm trying to develop mm -hmm. and then it's just hard it's just hard to be like this is what I'm asking for yeah what, what can you do so yeah. I was speaking to some people who did donate to You Are Loved. They were, they're the biggest donors so far. Fantastic. And they're used to like organizations asking them for money. So mm -hmm. they were giving me some tips. Oh, And, I, and it was fantastic. really, really nice. And yeah. it's like, you need, to, you need to be able to say with confidence what you want this person to give. Mm -hmm. Like based on how much, um, right. you know, whatever, based on some certain circumstances. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm asking you for this amount. And it's their job to say yes or no to that. But mm -hmm. you've asked directly and confidently and passionately about this and you said the number yeah. and you have to you have to be about it. So I'm learning. Yeah. I'm learning. Yeah, absolutely. It's getting out of the comfort zone. I think the one thing that I've taken from my experience so far is you're not gonna get anything if you don't go for the ask. Mm. So like you have to be comfortable enough to ask. And yeah. then for you, like you have such a great mission and you have so much passion for what you do that like asking should be the easiest part, you know, like yeah. I think, and that's hard because I'm telling you, I'm literally sitting here telling you that I'm going to be uncomfortable about it, but like right. you just like 
you literally speak so much passion into what you do. You have so much mission and you like just, you just speak things into action when you talk about you are loved. So I think, yes, finding people's capacity when you're going into having those donor conversations, understanding their capacity and knowing what you can possibly get from them Mm. is important. But like once you start talking about stuff, I think people can kind of just feel what you got going on. They feel, they feel how much you care about your company. Um, And that's, one of the reasons why I felt like you should be able to start doing more fundraising. Yeah. 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 That leads us right to yes, it is. the perfect segue yes. <laughs> into this. So basically you are loved. If, if you don't know, if you're listening to this because you follow Christina on social media or whatever, <laughs> <Hey>. uh, <laughs> and you've never listened to an episode of Jackson talks, everybody, or this is like your new fan, new follower, whatever. Awesome. Welcome. Thanks for being here. I love you so much. <laughs> but You Are Loved is my uh, mental health nonprofit organization that I own and operate by myself. With that said, I have some very lovely, amazing, helpful people in my life who would offer to help me with certain things. Um, Christina being one of them. So that's why I wanted to talk about her job first, as she has like some expertise in this area of working with nonprofits. And so she had the brilliant idea that I should run a fundraiser. Yeah, we'll see if it's brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, so, far, far. so far, it's fanning out, yeah. Um, yeah, you like are the one-man band <laughs> for You Are Loved, and I don't think people really realize that. Like, yeah, You have some people who volunteer their time and energy because they care about you and they support you and they support your mission, but like you're doing it by yourself. And you're... Hu- your heart is so in it and I see that God, I don't know why. it just makes me so emotional because you carry so much with this organization mm-hmm. you carry so much with the people that you support and you want to give to every single one of them and like how many how many messages do you get like a day from people quite a few yeah and you're doing everything you're supporting these counseling sessions you're supporting any conversation that comes to you you're doing everything financially and emotionally mentally you're supporting the entire thing on your own and it's i won't i won't speak for you but in my opinion it's unsustainable like that just it's gonna it's just gonna weigh on you and with how much you care about people with how much room you have in your heart to give to to other people to make them feel that they are loved mm. like it's you just can't do it all on your own and so the idea of doing the you are love fundraiser is to be able to have you um the supporters of jackson talks everybody <laughs> and you are loved and everybody brand and jackson stone in general um to stand beside him and give him a hand because he's got this big mission to change the world and to create a world with no mental suffering. And that's a mission that he probably can do it by himself, but (laughs) I just don't think he has to. And um, so the You Are Loved fundraiser is set up to ask you guys to support him so that um, you can stand beside him and support your brothers and your sisters and your neighbors and your mom, your dad, anybody who's dealing um, with some sort of mental suffering that they have somebody to stand beside them. Um, And we can all kind of change the world with him a little bit. I love, um, when I think about you, a quote from Dr. Seuss (laughs) comes to mind from the Lorax, Mm. when the Wensler says, Unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, it's not going to get better. It's not. Mm-hmm. And you are that one person that cares a whole awful lot. And I know there's other people out there, other organizations out there. Um, I think you're just doing the most. I think you're doing the most. And I think that we can get people to at least offer a financial aid in order to extend your outreach to people um, and maybe even gather you some volunteers, mm-hmm. people who want to help answer some of those messages and answer some of those phone calls and, um, you know, whatever kind of skill set people have. I think that, I think that you just, I think you can get that. (laughs) And I want to see you be successful in this mission to end mental suffering. Can I give you a hug? Yes. (laughs) Thank you. 
So anyways, Jackson Stone is amazing. <laughs> and you can quote me on that. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I don't really know what to say to that. Yeah. Except for thank you. The fundraiser is happening. It's happening. In in part because you told me that I should do it. That I could do it, that it was something that I was would benefit me, and it has. And it's actually been a very seamless event planning thing. Yeah. We've gotten very lucky with the mm -hmm. venue and uh, the performers and the artists that have offered to perform and share their art with the people that show up and ticket sales are all right as of right now but donations there's room for you so you can buy a ticket <laughs> yeah please yeah yeah yep. if you're close to den texas um and donations are have exceeded my expectations yeah. by a long shot and i am even more i don't i didn't know this was possible because I'm a very hopeful person, but I'm even more hopeful than I was before. And so I hopefully soon in the future, you are love can hire a full-time employee. Mm. We can lead to more stuff, more events, more conferences, more groups, more sponsoring of people's help. We can reach people in different areas and cultures and environments and all of these things that could yeah. uh, that can change one person at a time, which is which is the aim. Mm. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for, yeah, being, thank you for being part of this with me and helping me and caring about me and checking on me and uh, yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, we're transitioning. <laughs> yeah, we're transitioning <laughs> now into into uh, a very important topic: South Dakota. He's more excited about it. Yes! <laughs> yes! So I went to South Dakota State University for four years from 2010 to 2014. I played baseball there. South Dakota State University is known as the Harvard of the Midwest. You can quote <laughs> me on that. Quote Whoa. me on that. I don't know if I would. It's the Harvard of the Midwest, South Dakota State University. I played baseball there. It's located, the school is located in Brookings, South Dakota, mm -hmm. which is about 45 minutes from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, which is the city that Christina had mentioned previously. And you were not born in South Dakota. I was not. When did you move to that state and why did it change your life so beautifully <laughs> and amazingly and uh, oh, magically? Wow, <laughs> wow, you're really setting me up there. It did not. <laughs> I did not. I love that you love it so much. Um, I'm not trashing on South Dakota. I will trash winter weather, though. I will oh, trash yeah, the we, winters. We can, we can, yeah. South yeah. Dakota has a lot to appreciate. It is a beautiful state. Um, I hate winter. I love that my birthday. I don't know what I don't know what temperature it is right now, but it is like probably 60 degrees or something. Mm -hmm. This is amazing. But anyways, I moved to South Dakota when I was a fifth grader. So I was born in Montana. Um, then we trickled over to Minnesota for a while. Um, and then when I was in fifth grade, we moved to South Dakota. And I, mo I moved to giant town called Marion. <laughs> this is getting really, Marion, South Dakota is getting put on the map right now. It, when we moved there, I think there was 650 people in the whole town. Mm. Um, I graduated with 23 people. And I think it was the largest class by like 10. My little sister graduated a few years after me, and she had 11 people in her graduating class. Amazing. Yeah. How many stoplights do you have in that town? Stoplights? So none. Yeah, just What's stop signs. What's a stoplight? Okay. <laughs> yeah, well, no. I was going to say maybe you had one or two, but mostly no, just yeah, only stop signs? We didn't have a single stoplight, no. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like a mile from one end of the town to the other. And then how far was that into like the actual downtown of Sioux Falls? Downtown Sioux Falls? So um, Marion's West of Sioux Falls and downtown Sioux Falls is uh, the furthest east. Mm. <laughs> so I guess to get all the way down there, probably 60 minutes. Mm. So not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Because when Christina and I first met, <laughs> I told her where I went to school. Mm -hmm. And then she said that she was from South Dakota. And it was like, mom, 
it's meant to be because yeah. all of my best friends in the whole world I met at South Dakota State. Not all of them were from South Dakota. One of them was Jesse. She's been on this podcast a couple times. But I met all of them at South Dakota State. And then I meet this person in Dallas. And she's from South Dakota. And then we become really close friends. It's mm-hmm. like this like whole... I don't know. It's the universe. Something's happening. Yeah. But <laughs> I was not prepared whatsoever for the winters in South Dakota. Oh, it's worse than you can imagine. It's... And some places are colder. (laughs) I couldn't buy enough clothes. I couldn't wear enough stuff to be able to walk to class, which wasn't very far, maybe a mile, in negative 40 degrees. (laughs) That's negative 40. You're being a little dramatic. No, no, I'm not. (laughs) There were maybe a few negative 40 days, but they do. Routinely, it's negative 30 or negative 20 in the winter. (laughs) It gets really cold. It's and like you step outside and your face hurts. Like you you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to class, you have to undress for like four or five minutes. <laughs> like the second you get in the building, you're immediately sweating. You're like, oh my God, I got this. You're like freezing cold outside. And then you're like, okay, I got to get all this stuff off me. Yeah. Because <laughs> they blast the heat in the winter inside the building. Because it's so uncomfortable. You got to wear tank tops and shorts indoors. <laughs> right. And, uh, and so now like it was like 20 degrees here. In Dallas, like a couple weeks ago, and I'm just not used to cold weather anymore, and that's mm-hmm. like doesn't feel great. Mm-hmm. But I have been taking a, a a lot of cold showers every day. I take a cold shower. I highly recommend taking cold showers if you haven't tried it. It's like a really good reset for your nervous system and it boosts your metabolism. Two really cool things. Well, I'm a big advocate for blasting the heat all the way up in the shower. So, um. well, taking warm showers is really good before you go to bed because. Shuts yeah. you down. I will not promote cold showers. I promote cold showers. I and so I've been taking them a lot, which <laughs> actually increases your uh, ability to just be outside in cold weather. Obviously, oh. if you're going to be in a cold shower or a cold tub, you can handle uh, colder temperatures outside. So that was actually helpful. And then me and my girlfriend, I'm sure you guys saw if you, if you listen to this pod or follow me on social, that we went to Colorado Springs and we were in some snow and did some hiking yeah. and some mountains and that was all cool. But that weather... My point being is that weather is still different than a South Dakota winter or like a Minnesota winter because it's like the frozen tundra out there. It's ugly. But besides that, I had the best time out there. Four years, amazing. But I was in like, you know, college town, a college Mm -hmm. setting. It's much different than growing up or being uh, uh, just living in like a city in South Dakota, Mm -hmm. which I imagine could be absolutely magical. But going to school there was the best. Yeah. And then I met you, and you're from there too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. Um, I actually went to school just like 20, 30 minutes from um, Brookings, and so I would go to Brookings every once in a while. My sister was a uh, jackrabbit. Jackrabbit. Yes. <laughs> 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 I think Brookings is a pretty cool college town. As far as South Dakota goes, they set up that town really, really well. Yeah. I think that they did a really good job in that town. So I can imagine that you did have a great experience. Anybody that I know that's a jackrabbit loves being a jackrabbit. They rep it hard. So I support it. Let's go. I support I'm it. going back in September for a baseball alumni weekend. Oh, So fun. I'm very excited. What all goes down then? Not sure. It's never oh. happened before. Interesting. I set it up. I tried to. I uh, emailed the coach, the new coach at SDSU, to try to set up an alumni weekend because I was speaking to some of the guys about it. And we're like, we need to get together. Yeah. Alumni weekend would be great. Um, and so, September 10th, we're going to go to a football game, maybe have a home run derby on the field, talk to the new players, schmooze, hang, chill, <laughs> vibe, and all that good stuff. What was your favorite bar? The nine. The nine, for sure, yeah. Okay. For <laughs> sure. The nine, man. <laughs> me and my me and my homies uh, seriously contemplate all the time opening up a bar down there. And because we still have one friend, his name's Scott. He lives in Sioux Falls, about 45 minutes from mm-hmm. Brookings. And he would basically be the guy to see the bar uh, and make sure it was good. But yeah. we would own it. Oh, okay. Yeah, it would be like a country bar because there's not one there that's like really country. No, there's like... Really? The Nine's like a clubby club. Um, there's one. There is they, one. They opened up a new one. It's like kind of country, but there's not one that's like that's huh. like real good. And in Brookings of all places. Yeah, yeah. That should be the number one. And so we would think it'd be like two two levels and... 
Heck yeah. You got like a little honky tonk on the top. Yeah, I think we could You really could put a that. real Fort Worth twist on it too. Right. Know? Oh, cool. Uh, that would be a cool so idea. So we have an idea. So there might be a, might be a business idea for Brooklyn, South Dakota. Nice. But cool. Love that idea. I have um, one more question for you. Okay. So I, guess, I don't know if it's, no, if it's a question. It's more, maybe it's a, st- it's a, be a statement. Your thoughts on it. Anyways. Okay. So I mentioned earlier that one of the reasons that I connected with you so well is that I believe that you have like a lot of self-awareness. Okay. Which is, an, I think, an important tool for growth, which you've used in your personal life and your professional life, as mm-hmm. you stated. How did you develop that awareness, if you're conscious of that awareness? Or is it something that you've like mm-hmm. always had, like felt in your gut or your intuition? Or did you like read something, learn something? What did, like, what did you do? If you can answer that question. Yeah. I, I um, think I have an answer for that question. Okay. Um, I, <laughs> I have always struggled with self-confidence. Mm-hmm. I just grew up like shitting on myself, you know, like I just never really felt, um, I just, I've always had insecurities, whole list goes on and on and on. Um, yeah. Um, and I think that there was a pressure that I put on myself to try really hard to fit in Mm. and to be somebody that people liked and that they wanted to, um, I just wanted to be liked really badly. Um, so I think that it just made me like really consider all of my actions, anything that I said, anything that I did. And this is not me promoting being like this. It is a very toxic behavior to have for yourself, but it did end up working out for me as an adult. I am a little bit more aware of how people receive me, but I was always watching for that because mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't doing something to make people not like me. Mm-hmm. Um, And with that, I was also paying a lot of attention to how people responded. I was paying attention to other people's actions. And I think it has helped me to become a very well-rounded, obviously still have a lot to work on in those areas, but I think that I am a little bit, I see, I can see both sides in in a relationship or in a conversation or whatever. I do try really hard to put myself in somebody else's shoes and I try really hard to be aware of how I'm coming across, not just is my intention, are my intentions coming out clearly? Um, how am I being received optically? What, um, you know, I think sometimes it's hard to really let your true self come out in interactions. And so it's just, how am I actually being received? And I have paid a lot of attention to that, unfortunately. Like, fortunately, unfortunately, it turns out to be a good thing, but it was toxic behavior for me growing up, so. And how does it play out now in your life? Um, I think it's, I, I, it's good. It's good. Is I don't that, know. You think it's more helpful now? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely helpful. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's areas in that I still have to work on. I think that because I've had to overcome so many insecurities and not being confident in who I am, I'm really like starting to become more focused on like, what is important to me? What is more authentically me? What is what are the things that I actually like and that I do and not just like catering to other people? Mm-hmm. And so there is a little bit of a battle in my head about um, how I need to, um, I don't know, it's, it's hard to explain, but what behaviors I need to really be true to and which ones I need to not be true to. But being self-aware is part of it. It's yeah. Some, yeah. Yeah. I understand. What you're <laughs> no, I know that. Yeah. I know that at least over the the couple of years that I've known you, a year and a half, whatever it is, that you've been on like a bit of a self discovery journey. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where you were at before I met you, but I know you came along. You've come a long way into mm-hmm. like, you know, being who you are. And I always found you to be authentic, at least in our conversations. Mm-hmm. And I always found that uh, very attractive. As to why we're still friends. Yeah. You know, doing whatever we're doing together. And so, uh, it's cool to see that. And it's cool to notice that in someone else that they're like trying to live by a certain set of principles and values, but they don't have it all figured out because no one has it all figured out. And as you talk about things, we talked about this before, like as we're talking about things, we're also exploring the ideas. If we think that those are true things or not, like we're using our words to process some thoughts in the midst of a conversation, which I think the podcast is really cool for that because mm-hmm. not everything that 
is said on here uh, is 100% fact. Like I'm trying to figure it out as it's being worked through. Mm -hmm. And that's why I like having guests on. And I just like recording basically a normal conversation we've right. <laughs> had a bunch of times. Yeah. With also some other details about your life. But mm-hmm. it's it's been a cool self-discovery journey for me and uncovering lots of things about myself that I find really great. Yeah. And also find difficult to understand. And I think the same thing is for you as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing that I've thoroughly enjoyed about our relationship is I don't I don't find it easy to talk about myself and you have no problem asking me hard questions and so you've been you've been a pretty key part in my journey I think that it's been really nice to be able to just have a like open forum to just like sit down and talk things out and so like you said a lot of the times I'm sitting here having a conversation with you and it's my first time even realizing like I'm like speaking about it like it's something I've known forever and I'm like this is literally a brand new concept yeah. that I've just come up with yeah. and it's because that we get to just talk so freely with each other um, and like I don't have a problem being vulnerable and sharing my secrets and it just it really does make it more comfortable to talk about the things that are going on in your head and have some self-realizations yeah it's cool stuff it is super cool. It I think is. it's the coolest stuff. Yeah. Wow, that was great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Amazing. That was an amazing episode. Is this your first podcast ever? First podcast ever? Yes. Wow. I know. I, I, I have always uh, under the impression that I thought you should have a podcast. <laughs> I'm maybe, a rambler. <laughs> maybe, that's what this is for. These episodes can be 30 minutes long or two hours and 30 minutes yeah. long. Yeah. There's no, this is like free form conversation. Mm-hmm. There's so much freedom in this. But anyways, we can work on that. Uh, we can work on that later with you. Convincing okay. you to have a podcast. Okay. <laughs> Christina talks, everybody. That's a great name. That's a great I name. I just came out. To, I just came How out. did you get that? I Where'd don't that even know. From? Yeah, it just came to me. It was magic. meant to be. But amazing. Amazing. Uh, I encourage you to share this episode with a friend, family member, colleague, peer. Purchase tickets to the You Are Loved event on March 10th. Yes, please, please. And you can support this podcast or You Are Loved. The best way to do that besides donations uh, and buying tickets or subscribing to the YouTube channel is through Patreon. The first like four tiers on Patreon go directly to funding this podcast and funding mental health initiatives. Patreon.com backslash Jackson Stone. Become a subscriber and there's cool options there's one dollar three dollar five dollar options all the way up to like a 75 dollar option and that's per month basis so that's the best way to support the pod subscribe rate us on apple share us on spotify all the good stuff but i really really appreciate you listening and watching this episode thank you christina i have lots of love for you and see you guys next time bye thank you